Thank you for joining us on the Hope Church LV podcast. We're excited you came across this message. The sermon you are about to listen to is from our verse-by-verse study through the Gospel of Mark. If you're joining us for the first time, I want to be the first to say, welcome to Hope Church. Go ahead and open up the Hope Church LV app or visit hopechurchlv.com and click connect with us to fill out a short digital connection card. If you haven't done so already, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast to help spread hope to the world. Once again, thanks for joining us today. What's up, family? Good morning. Good morning. All right. How was your 4th of July? It was good? Y'all shoot some fireworks? Yeah, y'all kept me up Tuesday night. Thank you. Thank you. No, man, good morning. Good morning. It's good to see y'all. Um, if you know anything about the ancient Greeks, then you must know their love for entertainment. They love their theatrical performances. They love the theater. In fact, their love for the theater all started back in the 6th century BCE. Their love for theater has influenced the world, so much so that we get our English word theater from their two Greek words, meaning to behold or to watch a performance. The Greeks, they loved theater. It was embedded in their veins. So much so that um, every city had at least one theater. Now, some of these theaters were bigger than this room. Some of these theaters could hold up to 17,000 spectators. Folks would come from all around to see one thing, the actors. Fun fact, uh, in Greek theater, they would only allow three actors on stage at one time. So that meant that these actors had to play um, multiple roles. Uh, They had to pretty much switch characters on and off. And because of them having to constantly switch roles, they were called hypocrites. That word should sound familiar to you, for that's where we get our English word, hypocrite. It simply means to pretend to be someone that you are not. Now, Pastor Ricky, why are you talking about hypocrites so early in the morning? Well, today, we're going to be invited to a play of sorts. We're going today to see some of the greatest actors the Bible has ever known, and we call them the Pharisees. Christ would call them hypocrites. For they say in public that they love God. They say in public that his word is holy. They say in public that they worship him only, but behind closed doors. They disrespect him. Behind closed doors, they change his word every moment they get. Behind closed doors, they don't worship him. They really worship themselves. They're invited to a play today. Now, anyone ever been to a good theater? Raise your hand. Yeah, good theater. A theater is designed for for the audience to only see the actor on stage. A theater is not designed for you and I to look at ourselves. The same thing with hypocrisy. It's designed to say, I only see your issues and your flaws. But hypocrisy is never designed to actually look at yourself and go, maybe the same issue I have with you could also be in me. I bring it up to say, during the the duration of the sermon, there may be a tendency to say, Pastor Ricky, you get those folks. You let them folks on the left side, you let them have it. But hear me, if that arises in your heart, do me a favor. 
ask yourself the question. The same issue that frustrates me about them, could it also be in me? In fact, Christ would say it this way in Matthew 7. He would say, you hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Another translation says it this way. Do not pick on people, jump on their failures, criticize their thoughts, unless, of course, you want the same treatment. That critical spirit has a way of boomeranging, coming back to you. It's easy to see a smudge on your neighbor's face and be oblivious to the ugly sneer on your own. Hear me. I still love you. I still love you. All right? I still love you. But today, we don't have to deal with this issue of hypocrisy. In fact, before we get to our text, I need to set some ground rules for you. I need to kind of um, give you some historical background because if I don't, you want to appreciate and understand where we're going. So give me a few moments here, okay? Give me a few moments, all right? Don't fall asleep. Stay awake, stay awake. Give me a few moments here, and let me kind of give you where we find ourselves in the context of the story. So we're about to witness a verbal spat between Christ and the Pharisees. The issue is Christ has an issue with their hypocrisy. See, the Pharisees, the name Pharisee actually means separated one. It meant that they desired to have what they call radical purity. They did not want to be around anyone or anything that wasn't holy. Now, from the beginning, I think that's good. Their heart was good. But their desire to separate themselves from people made them what they call um, self-righteous, holier than thou, super Christians. Now, I know we have none of those here at Hope Church. But... Um, but they believed that they could get to God by keeping their traditions. They believed that, that, that the way to God was for them to keep their rules and their traditions. Uh, now, the, the issue here is um, that, that God did set some Old Testament rules of how to be clean, okay? He did set these laws in the Old Testament. But these laws were very easy to follow, all right? In fact, uh, one of these laws were um, if you were a priest of Israel... You had to wash your hands before you entered the holy place and actually made sacrifice. That's a very simple law. Now, that law was only for priests. But the Pharisees, they kept adding to God's word and making it not what it said, meaning they made that law that was only for priests now for everybody. And that's the issue here. They kept adding and adding and adding to God's word things he never said. In fact, to help us out, um, I have two kids. Right, I got two. Sometimes you got to think about it. I got two kids. <laughs> Let's say my son, Trip, he gets in trouble. I say, Trip, go to your room, and you cannot play your Xbox, okay? Let's say about two minutes later, his, his sister, Ryan, comes in and says, says, Trip, not only can you not play your Xbox, but you can't leave your bed. Now you're saying, well, Ricky, Ryan was, I can see what she was saying. She was trying to give Trip more distance so he wouldn't be tempted to break your law. Here's the issue. I'm the head of my household. I don't need Ryan adjusting my word. That's what Christ is saying here in the text. He's saying, Pharisees, who are you to adjust what I've said? What gives you the right to tell other people what I said? Now, I never told Tripp he couldn't play. I never said Tripp he couldn't play in his room. I just said he couldn't play with his Xbox. See, the Pharisees, what they were doing was they were adding more laws and traditions and chipping away at people's freedom. They were taking away their freedom. Now, 
These oral laws, they were found in what is called the Mishnah. The Mishnah simply is the Jewish oral law. In fact, in the Mishnah, um, it's about 186 pages of what it deals with about being clean. 186 pages on how to keep yourself clean. Lord, help me. <laughs> now, there were levels to being clean. The first level is pretty simple. Just wash your hands before you eat some bread. Pretty simple. The second level, that was more varsity. Um, it, it all dealt with being contaminated. It all dealt with the idea of being contaminated and being around folks who were impure. So if a Jew went to a marketplace, that's a place for all folks to come. Jew, Gentile, Samaritan, all people. The Jews would be afraid that if they touched these people who did not believe in their God, they will become unclean. So they would go home and immerse themselves in water. They would wash their pots and their pans and their dining room couches because they were afraid to be contaminated by their sin, by other people's sin. All right? That makes sense? All right. Hey, I need a nod or something. All right. But then lastly, I want to deal with this issue called Corbin. It, it, it sounds weird, but I promise you we'll come back to it. But the idea of Corbin simply was an offering or a gift dedicated to God. It simply was an offering of the heart to simply say, God, whatever I have in my hands, I give that to you. Now, we shall come back to this word called Corbin and see the issue that Christ has with it. All right? Are y'all good? All right. Now, turn your Bibles to Mark chapter 7. All right? Mark chapter 7. As you turn there... I got to catch you up to speed. A few weeks ago, Pastor Scott preached a message on Christ feeding 5,000 people. When Christ does this, he's at the height of his popularity. Listen to me. Christ fed 5,000 people with a box of canes, extra sauce, butter on both sides. He just kept going. It's a big deal. He, he fed people with one box of food. And now, last week, Pastor Trenton preached a great message on how Christ would allow his disciples to experience hardships just to teach them who he was. Who ever thought Christ would do that? And then he shows that not only is he all-powerful, that he's a kind God. At the end of that pericope, uh, it says that Christ allowed all those who wanted to be healed to come to him. And that's the Jesus that we used to seeing in the book of Mark. The compassionate, kind, gracious Jesus. But today... We shall sit on the side of Christ. Today it's as if Christ begins to punch back at those hypocritical Pharisees because today Christ will go, I'm no longer the compassionate Jesus. I will now turn to the condemning judge. Why is that? All because of the issue of hypocrisy. Are we all, we all caught up? Yes. All right, all right. Now, Mark 7, I'm going to read through the text. I'm going to draw some things out. And then I will give us our main points towards the end. All right, here we go. Mark 7, verse 1 says, Now when the Pharisees gathered to him with some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem, verse 2, they saw that some of his disciples ate with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. Now, let me tell you something. For these Pharisees to come all this way to Jesus, they would have walked 100 miles. That's 33 hours of walking. That meant that when they came, they came for business. They came to get on him about him not following their traditions. And when they approach him, the first thing they see is that his disciples have not washed their hands before they ate. Now, hear me. This is good. It's called hygiene. We teach our kids to do what? Wash your hands before you eat. Now, I promise you, have you ever been to the restroom? Somebody come out the restroom and not wash their hands? 
and the judgment come on your face? Hope Church, you better wash your hands. Wash your hands. Your mama told you better than that. All right, back to the text. But this issue here has nothing to do with hygiene. It's all about them not following the traditional ceremonial laws. Verse 3 and 4, it says, For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash. That means that they fish wash their hands as if to get all the grime out. Unless they wash their hands properly, holding to the traditions of the elders. And when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. This word wash here is where we get our word baptism from. They would immerse themselves in water. And there are many other traditions that they observe, such as the washing of cups and pots and copper vessels and dining couches. Now, Mark takes us deeper into these traditional laws of being clean. In verse 5, the Pharisee says, And the Pharisees and the scribe asked Jesus, Why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with the fouled hands? You see it there? It had nothing to do with the word of God. Nothing to do with Scripture. It had all to do with them not following man-made tradition. In verse 6, Christ says, <laughs> Well, did Isaiah prophesy about you hypocrites? As it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You leave the commandment of God and hold to the, to the tradition of men. And pretty much what Christ is saying here is he's calling out their hypocrisy. He's saying, with your lips you say you love God, but your heart is far, 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 far away from him. See, these Pharisees, um, they were making their own traditions and teaching them as if they were the word of God. They were doing some kind of worship, but it was not the worship that God would allow or acknowledge. They were simply adding to God's word and teaching it as if it was the word of God. Christ says, your service looks good on the outside, but on the inside, your heart is far away from me. And in verse 9 and 10, Christ, listen, man, Christ is so smooth. Christ says, you have a fine way. That's so smooth. He says, you have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your tradition. For Moses said, honor your father and your mother, and whoever reviles father or mother surely must die. Christ says, you have a great way of rejecting God's commandments. Oh, you're smooth with it. You'll find a real cool way of how to avoid God's commandments just to keep your own lifestyle. Yeah, I'll keep going. I'll keep going. Um, got quiet. Woo, Okay. And Christ says, he brings up the fifth commandment, which says, honor your mother, honor your father and your mother. Now, verse 11 and 12, we'll deal with this issue of Corbin, what I talked about earlier. Verse 11 and 12, Christ says, but you say, if a man tells his father or his mother, whatever you would have gained from me is Corbin, an offering or a gift, then you no longer permit him to do anything for his father and mother. Simply put, in God's mind, one way that you honored your parents was you took care of them once they got older, okay? The issue in the text is now the Pharisees have corrupted this word called Corbin. This word was supposed to be an act of service to God to give him a gift, but they make an excuse to simply say, if you don't want to take care of your parents, just say the word Corbin. 
the money you would use to take care of them, you could lie and say, I'm going to give it to God. And behind closed doors, they never gave it to him. Hypocrisy. Corbin looked really good outside. You know what, mom and dad? I cannot take care of you because my money I will give you, I have to give to God. But behind closed doors, they kept the money and never gave it to God. Hypocrisy. Now, verse 13, Christ says, Thus making void the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down and many such things you do. Pretty much Christ is saying, um, you do this a lot. You keep adding and changing and twisting God's word so much so that you've made his word now void. They took their man-made traditions and made them now higher than God's word. That's called idolatry. You worship the creation and not the creator. You took what is human and now place it above what is divine. All right, now y'all get that? All right, y'all really quiet. Give me, okay, we're here. All right. Don't fall asleep. I got, don't fall asleep now. I'm going to call you out. Um, see, the issue with the Pharisees is that they believed that their road to God was through their traditions. They believed that if they kept their traditions, that was their way to God. Simply put, they believed that I don't have to love God with my heart, just show it with my actions. I don't have to really love God. I just have to play the game of Christianity. I go this side. I really don't have to really love God with my heart, soul, mind, and strength. I'll just act like I do in front of people because that's what looks spiritual. That's called religion. Religion says that it's all about what I do for God and not about what God did for me. But hear me, that's not the gospel. The gospel says you could not get to God, so God came to you. God left heaven, came down to earth, put on flesh, hung on the cross because you had a day called sin. You could not get to God, so God came to you. That's the gospel. Jesus says in John 14, 6, <laughs> I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. No one gets to God, not even you Pharisees, except through me. Christ understood that the way we truly love God is from our hearts. I think I'll say it this way. God judges the condition of our heart. It's not keeping religious traditions that make us right with God. It's our heart. In fact, God talks about how we should worship him in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament of Deuteronomy 6, God would say, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. He was saying that in the New Testament, when a Pharisee or scribe asked him, What's the most important thing about my faith, about the Christian faith? He would say it this way. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. Christ says, the way you love God is by your heart. I'm not fooled by your outward actions. God simply says in so many words, I can see better than I can hear. Uh, you, oh. <laughs> God said in so many words, <laughs> I can see better than I can hear. You say a lot. I hear you. I hear you on Sunday morning singing your songs. But when you leave here, 
I look at your life. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Now, I'm going to pull out three things that Christ shows us about worship. The first thing is that real love leads to real worship. In verse 6, Christ says, Well, did Isaiah prophesy about you hypocrites? As it is written, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Uh, Hope Church, you smell that? That's a fragrance of hypocrisy. Christ says, Pharisees, there's a fragrance that you're wearing. And you wear it oh so well. It's the fragrance of hypocrisy. It's the idea that you say a lot about me. But behind closed doors, you do nothing to love me. Christ pulls back to Isaiah 29, 13. Isaiah 29, 13, Isaiah is literally weeping because the people of God no longer love them from their hearts, but they simply are loving him from their actions. They're saying, God, I can bypass my heart. I'll just do these outward things because this looks spiritual. This will be enough for you, right? Christ says no. To prove his point, Christ points out two things on our body. Our lips, which on the outside, the lips on the outside of your body, which they should be. Your lips should be outside of the mouth. Amen. Y'all, y'all, okay, I was going to make sure. And then the issue of the heart. Now, here's the cool part about it. Um, as a pastor, I hear you say a lot. Your lips move really well. They do. Man, some of y'all can sing, boy. Ooh. Yeah, I can see your lips. But there is one thing that I cannot see. That's your heart. I'm not talking about the beating heart here. I'm talking about the very essence of who you are. So many words. Um, you can fool me. You can fool Pastor Trenton. But there's one person you cannot fool. That is God. In 1 Samuel, he would say, For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Christ says, Pharisees, <laughs> Woo, you can sing, boy. You pray the best prayers. You come to all the church services. In every small group. You, you even discuss the final tenets of the faith. You, 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 you are a great actor. Behind closed doors, you don't love me. Christ says, your love for God goes no deeper than the width of your lips. Is that us? That us. You sound really good on Sunday morning. You do. All the great prayers. Even go on mission trips. But when you turn left out of the parking lot, do we live as if Christ never died for our sins? 
hear me, I, I don't take any pleasure of, of saying these things, but we have to hear it. I would not be faithful to love my God if I stepped on stage and just people pleased you. Is that us? Do we say one thing but do another? Christ has an issue with fake religion. He says, Pharisees, your worship to God is fantastic lies. In fact, he would say to their faces, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Christ says, Pharisees, you look great on the outside. But what good is a tombstone that's clean? What good is a tombstone that's pretty? Is that us? Christ says, real love produces real worship. Real love of God says, I'm not trying to put on a show. I really believe in my heart that you are that good and worth me opening my mouth to praise your name. Yeah. To our next point, it is that religious zeal leads to misplaced worship. Verse 7, Christ says, In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. To the Pharisees, they were doing some type of worship, but it was not the worship that God would accept. Why? Because it was all about outward appearance. In fact, I'll say it this way. True worship and purity is a matter of inward love and right attitude, not just outward actions. Hear me. Just because you sing loud on Sunday morning, that does not mean that you're close with God. Just because you tithe and you go on mission trips, that does not mean that you are close with God. You can do all the right things for the wrong reasons. Did you hear what I just said? You can do all the right things for the wrong reason. The Pharisees, that show us, they worship the right God, but in the wrong way. You can come to church and worship the right God, but if you're doing it just simply because your actions you're doing it the wrong way, which means you're not worshiping God at all. He says, the traditions of men. See, hypocrisy is like a, like a rash. Once it gets on your heart, it spreads to your soul. Uh, it, uh, see, hypocrisy produces vain worship. These men were not really worshiping God. They were worshiping their traditions. It then produces idol worship. See, it simply says here in, in, in verse 7, uh, he says, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. Simply put, they worshiped their tradition so much, they taught it as if it was the word of God. Now hear me, traditions aren't bad, all right? But whenever traditions become more important than God, that's when they're bad. Now I'm going to go ahead and step into this, all right? All of us have ethnic, 
cultural, and political traditions that have gripped us more than the Word of God. Um, all of us, including me, have ethnic, cultural, and political traditions that we submit to more than the Word of God. And God says, if you are doing that, that is what we call sin. Um, hypocrisy produces vain, empty worship, produces idol worship. They, they, they worship the tradition, not, not, not God. But then, in so many words, Christ says, if you keep playing around with God and just playing the Christian game, eventually you'll leave the word of God altogether. If you keep playing around with God as if God is a stage performer, then eventually you will leave the word of God altogether. In verse 8, he says, you leave the commandments of God and hold to the tradition of men. He simply says, you worshiped your tradition. So much so, you've left the word of God. What area in your life have you worshiped something so much you have left and negated what God says about it? What sin in your life have you have worshiped so much that when God's word speaks to it, you don't even hear it? Hey, somebody, all right, I'm going to keep going because y'all ain't, okay. <laughs> but hear me, like, that's what they were doing. Christ has an issue with this. In fact, in Matthew 5, he would say it this way. You have, heard it that, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. So right here, when Christ says, you have heard that it was said, what he's dealing with now is, he's going, you heard them say what they said. You heard these man-made traditions. This is not the word of God. You have heard that it was said. But then he says, but I say to you. He's going, don't listen to them, listen to me. But what I say to you, if you get nothing else, the purpose of the study of the book of Mark is to remind you that Jesus is the son of God. Christ says, what I says, go, and what I say is, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Completely different from what they said. He says, you leave the commandments of God to hold to the tradition of men. I believe that the reason why many people have a hard time with God is because he deals with your heart, not your actions. Many people don't Follow God because, first of all, you have to have Christ in you to follow him. But many folks don't want to follow God because he deals with your heart. See, these Pharisees, uh, they could not reach God's law because they were trying to do it on their own accord, by themselves. And because they couldn't reach God's law, they made their own. I know we don't do that at Hope Church. We don't negotiate God's law, do we? They lowered the bar so that they could reach the bar, so that, they could, so, so that they themselves could be God. Have we lowered God's standard? 
just so that we can reach the bar to then simply say, God, I don't need you to live out my Christian life. William B. Yates says this way, it takes more courage to examine the dark corners of your own soul than it does for a soldier to fight on a battlefield. What he's simply saying is, it's easier to go to war than to deal with who we really are. Ricky, just tell me what not to wear and where not to go. That's easy because I have to deal with my heart that I'm an angry, self-righteous person. Just tell me where to go, what not to say, what not to do, because that's really easy because I never have to deal with the fact that I have an anger issue. Just tell me the easy way out, and I'll do it because I never have to deal with my true heart. This is why many people have an issue with God. Is that us? Is it us? Have we played the game of Christianity? God, I love you. Oh, I love you. But I will not submit to your word. God, you are good. You're all so good. But behind closed doors, I have no real faith in you. These, they were, they were, they were zealous for their traditions. And because of that, they missed God. You could sing your lungs out in church and be no closer to Jesus. You can sing your lungs out today and be just as far from Jesus because worship comes from our hearts. You hear that? Real worship comes from our hearts. And to prove this point, uh, Christ deals with this word, Corbin. The word Corbin simply means that you offer a gift to God, right? But the issue was... Um, these Pharisees, um, they had taken that tradition of Corbin and now made it now above the word of God. That word Corbin was not the Ten Commandments. It was given by God, but it was not at the level of the Ten Commandments. Well, the heart of the Pharisees, sadly, was crooked. They took this word Corbin to simply mean um, that, yes, you tell people that you've given your gift to God, but behind closed doors, they kept the money. Now here's, now, here's the crazy part about it. Let's say you had a conscience going like, you know what, man? Mom and dad, I was wrong. You know what? I'm sorry. I, I'm going to go back and try to get my money back to take care of you. If you went back to, to say that to these Pharisees, they would quote you Numbers 30, verses 1 and 2, which meant whatever value you make to God, you have to keep it. Oh. They created now this situation for them to gain this money, but then use the scriptures now to keep that money. They created what is called a loophole in the law. They allowed themselves to look spiritual, but behind closed doors get exactly what they really wanted. That's called hypocrisy. You look good. Oh, Corbin, whatever I have, I give it to God. In fact, in fact if your name is Corbin, man, I'm sorry. Man, Corbin. Man, well, all right, here we go. But what they did was they created a loophole to step through 
and avoid the responsibility of what God said. Do we do that? God, uh, your word said to do this. I don't, I don't like that. I'm going to go over here. You know, there was a president that actually cut out parts of the Bible he didn't like. Is that us? God, I just don't like that. So I'm going to just go over here. You know, you can't call yourself a Jesus follower if you're only cool with God leading you to where you want to go. Jesus, um, yeah, I got to move on, man. Our last point is that our devotion, our devotion determines our worship. The Pharisees, their devotion was to their tradition. And because of that, that's what they worshiped. They worshiped their tradition. That was their love. And because of that, that's who they worshiped. In so many words, Christ says, I can see better than I can hear. You know, Hope Church, you act what you believe. Oh, I, I hear, I hear what you're saying. I hear you loud and clear. But God says I can see better than I can hear. These Pharisees kept adding adding and adding to God's word so much that he says, that's your worship. You don't love me. You love your tradition. Hey, man, that, that had to hurt. <laughs> What's up? What's going on? What's going on here? So give me a question. Um, what area in your life have you made God's word empty? You know, I think the best lawyers are Christians because we find a way to negotiate and get out of what God has said. We should start our own law firm because <laughs> we spend most of our time negotiating with God than actually submitting to what he said. Why do we have this tendency to want to change God's word to fit what we want. I love you, God. Oh, I love you. But I am not changing my life. If we love God, we must love his word and obey his word. If we say we love God, we must love his word and obey his word. Love of God comes from your heart. Um, a well-known pastor was thinking back to his college days, and um, he had an issue with skipping class. Anybody skip class in college? Come on, man. Y'all kept John Sousa, thank you. I know you skip a lot of classes. 
Come on, man. Y'all stop. Thank you. All y'all skip classes. Look at that line in church. Look at you. But, but, but he skipped a lot of classes, so, um, but, he, but he, he decided to go back to one of these classes because it was almost the end of the year, and, and, and he wanted to make sure that he didn't miss much. <laughs> right. So, so, so he goes to class, and he realizes that he has a term paper due that's worth 75% of his grade. So he goes to his dorm room, man. He burns the midnight oil. He's writing. He's studying. He's writing. He's studying. Comes back the next week, puts the paper on the desk, feels good about himself, and walks out. Comes back the next week because he's sure he had an A because he, he did a great job. He gets his paper back, and this professor says, uh, great research, great thesis, great, great, great citations, great sources, and big red letters, F, because that was not the assignment. <laughs> great research, great sources, great paper, big red letters, F, because that was not the assignment. Hope Church, great building, great ministry plans, great kids' space, great, great, great. But that was not the assignment. Great traditions, great ministry plans. Oh, great city engagement. But that was not the assignment. The assignment was to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That is the assignment. Where have we gone? What happened to us? What happened to us? When all we knew was God's love, that he would forgive us of our sins. What happened to us? Has God's love grown stale on us? Jesus did not die for you to occasionally think about him. He had to die for you to live. And we come in here week in and week out and we play the game well. What happened to us, man? You forget that you didn't always sit where you're sitting now. Did you forget the hole Christ had to pull you out of. Did you forget that your self-righteousness is filthy rags to Jesus? What happened to us? I'll say my sermon in a sense this way. We are to love and worship God from our hearts and not merely by outward actions for that can lead to hypocrisy. What happened to us? God, would you forgive us 
playing the game of religion. God, forgive us for disrespecting your sacrifice. Show us what it means to have real love. So now, Pastor Ricky, you've yelled at me for 40 minutes. I hear you. What do I do with hypocrisy? What's the solution? I got some good news for the hypocrites in the room. God forgives hypocrisy every single day. The grace of God. God forgives hypocrisy every single day. It is the grace of God that God says, even when you were two-faced to me, I was never two-faced to you. Even when you lied to me, I never lied to you. Even when you disrespected me, I still took my time on that cross to pay for every single sin you would ever commit. If you don't know Jesus, how many people in your life have said one thing and done something different? But there is one who is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He never changes or shifting shadows. He is Jesus. And I would love for you to give your life to him because he will never leave you nor forsake you. So Hope Church, I got one action step for you to do. Receive God's forgiveness. So, um, if you are a believer and God's been tapping on your heart, the area where you have lied to him and said that you trust him but you really don't, would you come receive his forgiveness? He's not mad at you. If you are a non-believer who does not know this gracious God who forgives hypocritical, self-righteous, arrogant, legalistic, conniving people like me, I would love to introduce you to him. The only way I was able to preach this sermon is because of God's grace in my life. We're all hypocrites. Whether you want to admit it or not, you don't keep your word. I'm a, you don't keep your word. You don't. So when the music plays, I would love for you, if you have something in your heart, to come talk to us. And if you don't know Christ, I would love to introduce you to him. So pastors, come, let's pray. Father, I pray that your word, God, fell on good soil today. I pray that your people will see the areas of hypocrisy in their hearts, that they will come to you in repentance and receive your amazing grace. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin. Hypocrisy has left a crimson stain, but you have washed us white as snow. This is our prayer in Christ's name.